The following is a presentation of the Six Arrows Radio Network. Episode 58, Ham Radio 360 Podcast. This time, all about 1.25 meters, or like I like to call it, 220 megahertz, coming up. Hello, this is Gordon West, WB6NOA, and you are tuned in to Ham Radio 360 Podcast. MTCRadio.com presents Ham Radio 360, the podcast, with your host, Kale Nelson, K4CDN. Welcome into show 58, So Tickled You're Here. My name's Kale, K4CDN is the call, and just, just excited that you've given us another chance to edutain you about all things amateur radio. I, I didn't make that word up, I just use it because it sounds pretty cool, edutain which is kind of like entertain and educate. Hope you're getting both of those every time you tune in to this show and our Workbench podcast, which is hugely popular right now. Just a big shout-out to Jeremy and George just banging it out, man. They are doing a tremendous job over there. And uh, make it fun for even a nerd like... I decided I'm not a geek anymore. After I listened to the last three episodes of Workbench, I'm not a geek. I, I thought I was a geek all these years. I'm not a geek. I'm just a nerd. Those guys are geeks. And if you're a geek, you're going to love Workbench Podcast. If you hadn't checked it out, make sure you do. It's in the same RSS feed as this show. And we air it the opposite week of this one. So next week, they'll be on. They'll be talking about meters, I believe. So if you've got questions about meters, any kind of meters, let them know at uh, the Workbench Show site. And you can find that at hamradio360.com forward slash WB. Now, this, this podcast airs the opposing weeks and we're found at hamradio360.com we're also on the ios app now so if you're an apple user i'm not sorry but if you are we've got a brand new app that nick n3wg garner developed for us through his company pignology thank you so much nick and pignology for that you can find that in the app store if you got questions you're not really sure where to find it just get on over to the hamradio360.com webpage and everything is there for you I really don't know what happened, but here recently I've been getting a lot of feedback from the listeners. Well, I know what happened is we ask you every time we come on the air to, to interact with us and workbench has been generating a lot of that. And the last couple of shows here on ham radio 360 have, uh, just recently heard from a, uh, a gentleman in the service who's serving overseas studying for his license right now. No VEs, no Mars where he's at. So he's studying, waiting to take the exam. Stay safe, man. And can't wait to get you home to get your license and get you on the air. Uh, we, we've got people who are testing, who have just tested. Actually, we got someone testing this week on Thursday, uh, and, and just can't wait to hear back the report from passing his tech and general testing, same session. My family's studying, which is really cool. Uh, just want to say congratulations if you've recently gotten your license, recently upgraded. That's a big deal, and we are excited for you. We're excited for you listening. It's, it's huge to know that you're out there, so we really, really appreciate hearing from you. Whether it's an email or text, tweet, Facebook message, posting, whatever, liking our stuff, sharing our stuff is very important. So thank you for all that. Uh, there's some other ways to share with us, like our friends Donald, Allen, and Kenneth. They're Patreons. They're patrons over at Patreon. If you don't know what that is, uh, it's a site where you can give per episode if you choose to. You don't have to, but it's available. And the link there is on the hamradio360.com website, as well as Brett, Andrew, and Dave. Those guys gave through Patreon. PayPal. And I just wanted to call you out and say thank you. We also had 
We've also been shipping some hats, patches, and stickers, and those really, really help as well. So thanks to every one of you for keeping the podcast going. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, as you can imagine. And we uh, we hope you enjoy this show coming up. We're going to talk about 220 megahertz. We're going to talk to Ron and Tim from Bridgecom. Now, we've had them on before. We're going to talk uh, talk a little more stuff, what they're doing. We're going to kind of play ping pong, actually, on the, uh, on the conversation here because we kind of get all over the place. But we're solely kind of trying to focus on 220, but they bring out some really cool tech they're developing there at Bridgecom. So let's get right into that here with our friends Ron and Tim from BridgecomSystems.com. Tell us a little bit about uh, what's happening with you guys and, and how the uh, the year's progressing for you. Well, thanks for having us, Kale. Um, you know, just uh, really we've been kind of getting back from Dayton and trying to finally get caught up. Um, both Ron and I were out of the office here a little bit in July, so with all that, we're just we're still playing catch up a little bit, and it's it's finally time to uh, look for what's coming up in the next you know twelve or twenty four months, and like you said, you know going to Dayton again next year, and all those kind of good things. Got some ham fests uh, coming up here in August with uh, Huntsville and Albuquerque and Shelby, and then. Uh, Peoria and the uh, Chicago FM Expo in Belvedere. So that's August, September, and then we'll be into October. And I think there's a couple in October around town here in Kansas City area, and then uh, Fort Wayne. I think that'll pretty much then close out our Hamfest schedule for the year if everything works out right. Man, May you- try and get to one other in there, but it. If we can squeeze it in somewhere, you guys, you've been really busy with Hamfest. Do you? Can you see that it's been a uh, a boost to your business by being there in front of the consumer, not just a guy mentioning you on a podcast, not just having a website, but being there in front of people? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no better way to talk to a customer than seeing the whites of their eyes. Um, you know, we can talk over email, we can talk over the phone. Heck, we could even talk over Skype or something like that if we need to. But you know, seeing somebody the whites their eyes and getting to know how they laugh and how they uh, think always helps us to not only you know communicate effectively with that customer, but also you know make relationships and and uh, they really tell us kind of you know what they want us to make. You know, which is always always good to hear. We can't always make it, but we, <laughs> we like listening anyway. Well, that's how you got started in the two twenty was Ron seeing a need that hey, there needs to be a repeater at this show for. 220 megahertz yeah i think he went to uh dayton a couple different years and everybody kept saying well you know you've got a a, a 440 and a, a two meter you know why don't you make a 220 and uh you know the response was well if i can i will so <laughs> i finally got to the point where he could so uh he did bridgecom did and uh then you know got on board and helped out and it's been uh the last what we're well, we're approaching two years anyway. Having it out, it's been gangbusters. So I think there's getting close to a hundred of them out there now. So I was going to ask good. you, did you know how many were so close to a hundred units in service? That's just repeaters. That's not handhelds. That's not mobiles. That's just one hundred repeat. That's two every state. That's that's a, that's a pretty good place to start, wouldn't you say? Two years, I'd take it. Heck yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> for for a little old bridge com to to have a, a hundred of them out there is pretty awesome. Um, you know, plus the, the two meter and four forty stuff. But yeah, just the two twenty, there's been almost a hundred of them out there. Fantastic. Now, you guys uh you do you do the repeaters, you do mobiles, you do handhelds, you you've got all of that covered into the two hundred and twenty megahertz band. 
we've talked in the past, mentioned maybe a, a two meter uh, mobile, a 440 mobile. Have y'all progressed any further on those? It's still in the works, but uh, maybe Ron can speak a little bit more to uh, where we are on that process. Yeah, the uh, the the two meter mobile and the four four forty mobile, the hardware is completed. It's just a matter of doing the software and porting the two twenty mobile software over to the the other platforms, and then of course making adjustments to the programming software. Uh, it's just how many hours are in a day and all the other things going on. So that's the, that's the emphasis on that. But um, it is in process. Uh, we do need to get that out. Uh, but I, at this point, it's not ready for ship. So, but it will be a 50-watt VHF and a 40-watt. I'm sorry, 50-watt yeah, 50 VHF and a 40-watt UHF or 440 Right. Yeah. Well. It, it, yeah. I'll take it. That's a that's a nice high power rig for sure. And uh, you're going to use the same chassis as your 220 machine over here. Absolutely. Yeah. It'll be the, off the same. The 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 software and the functionality will be exactly the same. Just operating in a different spectrum. Well, you you know, as a, a really dumb consumer, I really appreciate the very clean, uh, clean, plain English instructions. The software is very easy to use. Uh, that makes it really simple for me. So, uh, for on behalf of the rest of the dumb guys listening, thank you for that. <laughs> oh yeah, there's it, there's it, three it, other dumb guys, not just me. <laughs> well, it makes a difference. I mean, I, you know, the the intent was to create a product that you know, out of the box, it would be very intuitive to use. Now we're talking about the 220 mobile we just yep. released a couple months ago. Uh, there are some videos on our YouTube channel, uh, one where we go over the actual product, and then I just released another video here about a week ago where I went went through our quick start guide that's on uh, a couple pages of the owner's guide, where I show how quick and easy it is to type in a frequency, set your PL tone, and then look at your output power and change that if you want, and then observe, of course, all the effects of it. So if folks want to take a look at our YouTube channel and subscribe to that, they'll get updates from us about various things we're doing, and we've got more in the in the works here. But, um, yeah, it, it, it does need to be intuitive so that a guy's not needing to learn how to run a computer but weren't learning how to run a radio and, and enjoying the radio. And that was what the purpose of it was, is to just keep it simple. Yeah, and, and I appreciate that. And I know many others have spoken to me. Uh, they appreciated that part that aspect of what you guys were doing uh not only provide an alternative to what was already there but providing one that they could enjoy and not have to learn how to read a new language or you know go go read a website somewhere for 45 minutes trying to figure out which driver to use on a programming cable so that's mm. that's important thank you very much um you know we we talked about why 220 uh and there, there's so many, so many aspects of that, and, and hopefully here later in the show we'll be, we'll be able to talk about some of the practical applications with some Bridgecom customers. Um, that's my goal here for this program. So uh, tell us a little bit about, um, about the mindset of going into the programming. Um, you say make it intuitive, Ron. What, what are you looking to do? Besides, it's, it's easy to say I want to make it simple, but... When you're saying I've got to port the software over from the 220 machine to the 440 or the two meter machine, how does how does that work? I mean, you say port over. Does that mean I have to just install it into this radio and then change some of the parameters? Kale, um, uh, 
if if I can do it <laughs> with as uh, little, I mean, I've got two-way radio experience, obviously, from being here, but with as little amateur radio experience as I have, yeah. then I think just about anybody can do it. Yeah. But I think Ron may have a better answer yet. So, <laughs> Well, just to, I don't know if it's, couple different questions when you say intuitive you know you're talking about the user interface yeah. to the radio i mean that that's what what i was meaning when i was when i when a person opens up the box turns it on and they automatically just oh type in a frequency and then I, now i'm on my repeater okay mm-hmm. and then of course having a quick start guide to get you going that really helped too but as far as from a development perspective of porting software I mean, that's a common technique that code developers use is that they'll uh, create what you'd call a a core piece of software that's sort of platform independent. And that what happens is is that this code that works the user's interface and all that, that can be changed from one platform to the next. Now, you've got your – and that's the code that's usually ported, Mm -hmm. okay? The the code that – is changed is, for example, how to write to the synthesizer or the phase lock loop, as they call it. This is what changes the frequency, okay? Those are the things that are, that are adjusted mm-hmm. and uh, reprogrammed. But the overall core code that makes the radio function is what's ported, and that's why the user experience, let's say if you learn the 220 radio or our mobile and you go and get a 440 rig, you're going to know how to use it. You just you're because you already know how the user interface works because you've got experience with it already. So it uses effectively you're you're inheriting the same piece of software and porting it from one side to the next. Which is exactly what a an end user wants is knowing how to take it out of the box, turn it on, put the local repeaters, the PL tones in, and go to work. And not have to worry about, well, here's another radio I have to learn how to program. Where's my manual? So if they're familiar with their 220 machine, when the the 220 rig, when the, the 2 meter 440 rigs hit the market, they're going to be good to go. Hey, Cale, even more than that, too, because it's, it's kind of menu-driven, mm-hmm. it's easy to think like, you know, uh, you, know you look at a, a, a tree-style menu. And as if you have that kind of thought process in your mind, I mean, it's that's kind of what it is. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Makes sense to me. Yeah, and and knowing that that I can take it out of the box and get going with it, that that's a great selling point. And it's it's and, they're they're built like tanks on top of everything else. Yeah, the construction's really nice. I mean, it it is it does take a lot away from commercial. Uh, the the ruggedness and the, the the you know the the requirement as far as uh, having something that's durable, especially the microphone, mm-hmm. it's weighty. It feels good in your hand. Yep. Uh, the the audio is good. Uh, the 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 ability to adjust the deviation levels is at the uh, hands of the of the user. They can set this radio up, personalize it for themselves. There's some flexibility in that. And I also might add the same kind of approach that we did with the uh, repeaters is really what we did with the mobile. And that the repeaters, whether you buy a 2-meter repeater from us, a 440 repeater, or a 220 repeater, they all work the same in terms of the user interface. They just have different – they just operate in their, their respective versions of the band. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the same software goes in all of them except that how they're programmed. So, so you can rack out your whole your whole club shack, and yeah, you one piece of one pro, one programming software will program all different all three of them, cool. all three flavors. Cool. 
So one and, and the same cable works with all of them. So nice, nice. Yeah. I want to come back. I want to talk about some of this uh, furthering digital technology with the guys from Bridgecom Systems. We got Tim. We got Ron on here. These are the brains and the brawn behind BridgecomSystems.com. And, uh, well, we've got Tim. He's the road warrior. So we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Stay tuned, guys. This is Kel, Ham Radio 360 Podcast. Hi, Dan, KB6NU here. You know, there's always been a bit of a mystique about operating CW. And sometimes it's difficult for newcomers to literally crack the code. Well, that's what my book, The CW Geek's Guide to Having Fun with Morse Code, is all about. Written in my no-nonsense style, it's full of practical information that will help you have fun learning and using Morse code, including how to choose a key, how to tune in CW signals, how to make contact, and then what to do once you've made contact. Let the CW Geek help you have more fun with Morse code. Go to kb6nu.com slash cwgeek and get started today. Back with Ron and Tim from bridgecomsystems.com, our friends from up in the Midwest. And, um, you know, it's i, I got to get off topic here for just a second. Uh, football season is rapidly approaching, and... Tim Tim's a ball fan. I know because if I if I tweet about the Panthers, the Carolina Panthers, Tim's got something to say about these Chief guys. I'm, I'm is that a pretty good assumption there, Tim? I was sitting here doing the tomahawk chop while you were talking. So <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's a good assumption. Yeah, and he's also yeah. wearing a he's also yeah. wearing a, a Chiefs Chiefs. Well, I, don't even I got a Chiefs polo yeah, on today, just yeah. randomly. But how yeah. about that? Yeah, no, that well, was, I was training <laughs> camp started, so I figured I should show some support. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've gone to training camp uh, twice now. It's hot, man, but it's uh, it's fun to watch those guys get ready. I'm excited, but we didn't we didn't come to talk. About, I just had to throw that in there because I knew that Tim was a football fan as well. So I'm excited. Well, we're looking about forward that. to. Uh, to 2017 Super Bowl where the uh, Chiefs can meet the Panthers so that way they can be, get beat by the AFC West twice in a row. <laughs> I'll, I'll take your trip to the Super Bowl. We'll talk about the winner after the game. How's that? Sounds good. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Hey, uh, there's a lot of really neat technology out there right now with ham radio. Digital modes, digital operations. It seems like it was kind of out there on the fringe and then Dayton happened, and then everybody jumped in this digital modes operating. DMR seems to have just exploded, especially in the local area here. Um, but the DMR uh, is not the only digital mode. There's D-Star and whatnot. You know, Ron, you mentioned that, that during dinner, uh, after we finished a convention on Saturday night, uh, you were telling George, I believe, or, or maybe George and Jeremy both, about an interface you have uh, to interface your repeaters with D-Star. Yeah, the, uh, the, all of our repeaters support a 25-pin accessory connector, and they allow for uh, connecting to a D-Star modem. And there is a, I believe there's an app note on our website that you could reference for how to connect to certain of these that are out there. I think there's several flavors or several manufacturers making these, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. We can, we can communicate with any one of them. Right. But yeah, you can effectively turn a Bridgecom repeater into a, a hybrid repeater where it will work with your conventional PL tones in and out, and then it will also handle a D-Star connection. The, the system will effectively 
uh, know which one, which which person, which one's calling in, and right. then handle that appropriately. So yes, uh, don't uh, don't think you're a Bridgecom repeater, or if you're looking at one, you, we can do some D Star with you. Yeah, so it's not just conventional analog here. We're looking at uh, a couple of pieces of of extra gear, and you almost have a dual purpose repeater. Is that a good way to dual purpose? Is that a good way to say it? Yeah, that that would be that would be a good way to put it. Okay. It would it would work as a conventional repeater for handling the club's activities, and then if, if a D star call came in and there's a D star modem attached to it that's tied into the uh, reflector system, it would uh, it would manage that as well. The DMR seems to be the hotness right now. Uh, is is that something similar? Do you have that capacity as well? Well, we we have a product called TLNet that would allow for us to link uh, Moto Turbo DMR repeaters and or enhance that the 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 IP site connect as they call it uh, technology, and we are a, a licensed Moto Turbo third party app developer, and we've we've been promoting this product now since about two thousand nine, I believe, when we became a partner with those guys, and since that time we've been able to do several things with moto turbo uh one of them being like what you're talking about is is being able to link moto turbo repeaters so that you know effectively you can uh, uh make the 15 peer limit totally scalable so that it's no longer a an, an issue and thus create these wide area links that you see going on around the country mm-hmm. uh, so uh for example a club could exceed the 15 peer limit and have multiple repeaters distributed all over their their network, and then they can link with other clubs. There's also the ability to put this software on in a virtual setting, so that you now have this link, this effectively non network appliance device managing several repeaters for a club. They have to be DMR, of course, mm-hmm. and you now have this wide area linking product and that's called TLNet, which has got a lot of different derivatives and we can get into those, but the digital side or the DMR side is supported. Fantastic. So do you guys, um, do you build a DMR repeater or do you build the accessory software just as you mentioned there with the TLNet? No, we don't have a DMR repeater. Uh, we just have this network appliance, if you will, that uh, allows for doing uh, multi-site linking for, with DMR repeaters that are operating with IP in IP site connect mode. And that's all these repeaters that you see, these DMR repeaters that are linked together are all operating in IP site connect. Right. Okay. Okay. What's so a, IP site connect is, is basically just, that's a turbo's uh, way to say that they're going to, you know, connect up to 15 uh, repeaters using IP. So, and what Ron was alluding to earlier, speaking about earlier, is that you know effectively the the TLNet product takes the same rate over IP and instead of limiting it to fifteen, makes it scalable to who knows how many at this point. But you can, and it's also uh, where you can manage those links as well, where you can you know set them up and and take them down, kind of you know as necessary too. So. I got you. So th- this is something that can be used on a club level basis, a statewide level, but even uh, between friends. Oh yeah, yeah. It could be you know if you've got multiple, you know, a couple repeaters, one on one side of the 
state and one on the other, you could effectively link them together with this technology. But it's primarily an IP Site Connect enhancement. I mean, a lot of this technology is already built into the IP Site Connect product that's uh, shipped with the Moto Turbo repeater. Mm-hmm. But what we're doing is eliminating this 15 peer limit point one, and then secondly, we're allowing for uh, group calling control and a bit more uh, con- management capability through the TLNet interface that's on that's all web-based right Ron you were there um, you've been you've been around this DMR animal for a few years more than a few years nearly a decade or so well, um, 2009 yeah okay almost well half a decade I guess yeah <laughs> yeah a little over five years. There we go. Well, that's that's when uh, Motorola started their their third party app development program. It was either '08 or '09. I know right. that the first uh, powwow I went to was in '09 down in uh, Florida. Mm-hmm. Tell me, uh, is, did did you think that it would? Did you? Let me see if I can find the right one. Is did did you think it would become what it has for the amateur community versus what you knew it would be for the uh, the commercial folks? You know, I, I, I really, at that time, you know, we were looking at working with some of the amateur radio folks, but it really that was, the, the, what's driven this thing is those folks out west, the DMR Mark folks. They, they were the ones that, you know, initially demoed the equipment and then ran with it. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, you know, they, they were Motorola people uh, that just just saw this and and then began to push it in the amateur ranks so you know a lot of credit has to go to these guys they they just went hog wild with it (laughs) after you know seeing seeing what it could do because motorola was the one that you know primarily spearheaded this uh the dmr push to where it's at right now and it it has become the dominant technology and of course you know having these radios a lot of these lower priced radios coming in from various places has helped, you know, put it into the hands of a lot of guys, you know, where you can, you know, get a DMR handheld now, what, for 140, who knows what now? 110 bucks on some days. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, that's, it's okay. ridiculous. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, and that, and that really helps something like this just go nuts. So. Well, well, back to, uh, back to the conventional analog for just a second here, talking about things going nuts. You know, it's, we, we look around in 220, because we've, we've talked a lot about 220, uh, a lot with you guys about 220. But we talk about 220, and DMR comes in, and it's just, oh, it's the hottest thing, you know. And there'll probably be a flash in the pan next year at Dayton. It'll be a little different. You know, might be the, uh, the all-mode, all-band rig that, someone's developing to, to cover every digital mode but to kind of get back to uh, kind of get back to the 220 megahertz end of the spectrum here uh, that was a bad pun uh tell me a little bit about what's the deal with 220 do do uh do clubs use it uh, for their repeaters do you see clubs using a lot for the repeaters do you see do you see folks um using it for data packet networks uh where do you see folks really I'm saying folks a lot. Sorry, Adam. Uh, where, where are you seeing clubs and individuals using this 220? You're, you're selling the gear every day, so you know what it's being used for. Is it primarily just conventional rag chewing, or are we, are we pushing packets over it? 
the answer is both, but you know, primarily uh, up to this point, it's been um, you know audio, analog audio. Right. You know, especially like if you go to the the higher populous areas of the country, you know, where you can't get uh, a two meter or four forty pair, we see an awful lot of our repeaters going to you know places like. Seattle, Washington, Southern California, out New Jersey, New York, East Coast. Right. Um, you know, where there's, they're replacing, you know, machines that are 20, 25 years old. <laughs> that, you know, they've been replacing GE Master 2 parts to make them a 220 for the last 15 or 20 years, and now they're, they just finally give up the ghost, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, see an awful lot of that. And then... You know, we do have, um, you know, with the, the, the TNC folks that Ron was talking about with data, I mean, there is a, um, it's a small group, but growing group of folks that are using it for data. So, you know, for, you know, passing that, that data information. So Is that because you can send it so fast on 220? I mean, can't you do like, what is it, 9,600 baud on 220? Yeah, it's 9,600 baud, but I don't think it has to do with the speed as much as just, I think it's, what availability maybe no there's really no you could do uh, 9600 baud on 440 or you or uh, two meters well it's really a function of the hardware okay the radio itself like for example our 220 mobile is such that you can modulate the uh, transmitter and send 9600 okay it's it's not it's it's a limitation of the hardware and ours does not have that limitation and we we know of folks using it, so we we know that the technologies are built into the radio to handle packets at that rate. Did you specifically design the radio and and the software inside the radio to be able to do that, Ron, or is it just just a uh, it was it was in there so it worked kind of a thing? No, I I had a small hand in the development of that side of it to where I ensured that. Uh, and this goes back to how we did our repeaters, okay, is that I uh, made sure that in, the transmit technology would allow for me to send a effectively a broadband data input straight to the TCXO. And, you know, not to get into the te- technical weeds with you, but what you do tech is you generally mix audible information and sub-audible information, okay? Okay. And that's all done right there at the TCXO. That stands for Temperature Controlled Crystal Oscillator. And then this gets sent on to the uh, on down the transmitter path. Okay, so you de- you ne- you need a separate path to the TCXO that's hopefully unimpeded. You don't have filters on it to where you're effectively reducing the bandwidth of that signal. So you want to be able to hit that TCXO with a higher bandwidth signal and that's where this data is coming in at it's it's shifting very quickly mm-hmm. and you don't want to filter out the higher frequencies and so what i did was is i made sure that this pathway to this crystal if you will was unimpeded so that you could modulate the transmitter frequency with a signal like a digital signal or a dsp digital signal processor or a D-star, or uh, a DMR, whatever. So, the uh, the 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 radio has a a jack on the rear of it, uh, plug jack, whatever we call it here. Is that something that you guys supply the cable for for the TNC connections, or is that something that, uh, that you can pick up off one of the internet vendors, 
or make you it, can pick make that it off. Yeah, it, it's a high density 15 connector. It's very similar to the. It's actually the same kind of connector that you use, like your VGA monitors. It's okay. Just, it's uh, right. We we have a female connector in the radio, and you would get the male connector. And there is a source for those. We don't. We that's off the shelf at supply houses, Amazon.com. You can build a cable or build get that connector and and then build a cable appropriately you only need about four or five lines off of it to do most things so okay well we know that uh there's there's people in alaska that are using that pretty seriously up there and uh then there's folks in washington state i think some over here on my end of the country in in north carolina as well so uh it's interesting And, and even to the to the point that we're talking about continue to talk about building a packet network here in the upstate of South Carolina and using this 220 rig as a backbone. So that's, uh, you know, it's, it's got potential for that here as well. So it's, it's some really cool tech and guys, it's, it's a very solid built radio, very solid. I, I, I like it a lot. What, um, what, what, what's on the plate coming up next? What, what can we expect from Bridgecom in the next six months to a year uh, any any kind of um, outside the two meter four forty possibilities, uh, even even in land mobile stuff. What are you guys working on on that direction? Well, I think uh, uh, not sure if we talked about it earlier or not, but uh, we talked a little bit about uh, our radio IP product, and we're trying to to rehouse that so to speak into a smaller footprint. So that way, it'll be a little bit uh, easier to manage and not take up so much space for. Uh, the commercial side of the world as well as the amateur side mm-hmm. um you know uh trying to uh, integrate all that into a raspberry pi nice. uh type uh footprint so be very small and, and easy to put around uh which about anything um obviously we we got a bunch of ham fests that we're we're going to as far as finish out the year uh so really as far as new equipment probably the the biggest thing is going to be um, you know the the two meter and and four forty mobile uh, when that's available. Um, we've got uh, a line on some DMR radios uh, that we're hopefully going to have out before too much longer. Um, but I can't say much about them because <laughs> we're not quite there yet. So I wish I could say more, but I can't. Yeah, um, me too. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't worry. As soon as as soon as we have them out, I'm sure you'll be one of the first to know. So fantastic. Uh, so that way you can pass them on to your listeners. Um, Trying to think of what else that that we've been. I mean, we've been, you know, relatively busy here lately with with repeaters, uh, sales, and and then a lot of uh, a lot of people that have recently started calling in to to do interoperability stuff between like LTR and and analog and digital and and some of that with the radio IP. So we're just trying to continue to to find new ways to use those existing products that we have in, in, in new and exciting ways. Now you said, you said Hamfest a couple of times and, and I think somewhere in there you mentioned Shelby. Is that you're coming to Shelby this year? I'm not going to be at Shelby, but Ron's going to be at Shelby. Oh, cool. He's going to, you, you might get to meet the whole, uh, uh, Kahanowitz contingent, which is, you know, if everybody's involved, that'd be eight. <laughs> That's more than me. Ron. So <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, I think, uh, we're going to, we're going to come down and take a, take a few days and see North Carolina and uh, do a ham fest while we're there. I think Very good. Very good. Well, yeah. I have, uh, I've paid for a booth. I'm not sure where I'm supposed to be yet, but I will be there. Um, 
at least Friday, oh, Saturday, maybe Sunday morning too. So, well, I'm sure we'll see each other get to hang out and and maybe do some uh, recording and whatnot there. It'd be great to see you again. Okay, good, good. They got some mean barbecue restaurants around there. That's one of the oh. best parts. About it. <laughs> it's not Kansas City barbecue, but it's good. Okay. Fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. There you go. There yeah, you I go. wish I could make it, but uh, I'm. That's uh. Uh, Labor Day weekend, and yep. that's a family deal for me. So, uh, well, I haven't even sprung it on the family yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> don't be listening to this podcast. Be like, we're going where? Yeah, no, she doesn't listen. I'm a, I'm good. But I, <laughs> I will say, my wife is studying for her technician's test, and that's really shocking. But she is she's actually doing really well with her studying. Uh, and three of my big kids are studying too. So. Maybe this time, uh, well, maybe by the, before the first of the year, I'll have uh, three or four new licensees in the in the family. So we'll probably need some more radios by then. Yeah. I say, I know where they can get some two twenty gear. Yeah, yeah, some good stuff, guys. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for uh, catching us up with what's happening at Bridgecom Systems. We can always find you're open twenty four hours a day at bridgecomsystems.com. If they want to call you, because I know that this is the kind of business you guys operate. You're you're there to take the calls. When folks have questions, they want to place an order with somebody that that uh, talks to them instead of just entering a credit card on the on the uh, computer screen. Tell us how we can connect with you over the telephone uh, to to get in touch with you. You bet. Uh, phone number here is eight one six five three two eight four five one. We're typically here uh, eight to five Monday through Friday, unless we're at a ham fest or unless we're gone to lunch during the middle of the day. So. Typical, you know, business hours. Um, if I see something that's crazy come through via email or something over the weekend, you know, I'll I'll try and respond. But try and try and leave uh, the weekends like most folks, you know, for for family and and stuff like that when I can. And Ron does the same thing. But uh, we're we're always here and in touch one way or another. Phone, email. We don't really do a Skype very often, but once in a while, <laughs> I mean, if somebody wanted to, I guess we could do that too. But so well, the key yeah, is also- the, the key is that you guys are there for your consumer base, and and they're they're ready to help you if you have needs. Repeaters, mobiles, handy talkies, land mobile, amateur radio, uh, they can take care of you, guys. I really appreciate it again. Thank you so much for stopping by. You bet. Thanks, Gail. The big sale last month at mtcradio.com on the ICOM 7300 with a discount was huge. Richard, Richard's just doing it up big down there in Texas. Don't they do everything big in Texas? I got to tell you, if you've got some ICOM needs, you need to check out our friends Richard and Christine Lenore, along with Tammy and Danielle, working it off. They're, they're, what they have, they're working it off down there in Texas. It's hot, but they are packing boxes and shipping stuff at some of the best deals on the internet every day at mtcradio.com. Com right now, effectively, uh, well, it's already gone. I don't give you the date, but uh, for a limited time, if you purchase a new ICOM IC7300 from mtcradio.com, they're going to throw in at no additional cost a $100 gift certificate for anything good in the store or their site, or they'll give you a four year extended warranty which will keep your rig covered under warranty for five years total. So uh, that's on the website. It's an option. You can find it when you go to order your ICOM IC7300. It's the hottest thing going in amateur radio right now. And you can find the ICOM 7300 at the best price at mtcradio.com. Ever since I got licensed... I've always wondered what the deal was with 220. Now, we just talked to Ron and Tim about it from BridgecomSystems.com. 
But I asked them, I said, guys, do you have anybody that I could talk to that's out there real-worlding this stuff? I mean, right here locally, we have the Bridgecom Systems 220 repeater. Matter of fact, we were probably one of the first 10 clubs in the U.S. to buy their 220 machine. It works great. I've got the mobile. I've got the handheld. The club's got the repeater. It, it's some banging stuff. But I want to talk to some folks who are using it maybe a little differently than we do. Right here locally, we're just talking chasing DX in the evening. Actually, that's not me because I'm not in the shack in the evening. Yeah, I'm in the house getting kids ready for bed. But anyway, I digress. We got uh, Brian from Washington State. His call is Kilo 5, India, November. And we're going to catch up with Brian about what's happening on 220 megahertz in Washington State. Welcome in, Brian. I understand you've listened to uh, maybe a couple of our shows in the past. Yes, I have. Well, I, I hope that you come back and listen to some more, especially this one. I certainly will. <laughs> hey, you have uh, you have quite a few 220 megahertz repeaters in Washington State, and uh, we, we were talking be- before we came on here about how 220 megahertz sometimes can seem to be a forgotten band, may even really be a forgotten band. Uh, wh- what do you think about that? Is is it something that that hams just kind of let go? Uh, when the when the single band rigs basically all went to uh, two meters and it's really kind of been tough been tough to find a uh, a 220 rig. Historically, you had to convert uh, micors, master trues, etc. Um, way back, and I got an interest in him in 220 about literally, I guess, literally 22 years ago. Uh, I'm originally licensed in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and then moved out here for work. And uh, I got interested in 220 then through a friend of mine and uh, saw it's like amazing how the uh, band will travel compared to, uh, you know, it's, of course, different than UHF and almost the same as as, uh, two meters as far as travel. And typically, in my, this is just my opinion, no scientific. anything here the audio quality for a lot of your 220 repeaters seems to be a little sharper cleaner uh i don't know why that is i have no technical explanation other than uh but let me explain a little bit what we've got going here just sure. to kind of give you an idea why we believe in it we have on the north end of washington state lyman peak we have a 22478 which is owned by some other guys but we're in cooperation and then we have a quote-unquote central Puget Sound repeater, which is 220, uh, also backed up with a UHF repeater linked. And then near the state capital at the south end of Puget Sound, a 220 repeater. And then I'm in the process of adding probably two more. This is all up and down the I-5 corridor from uh, southwestern Canada to northwestern Oregon. It won't cover all of western Washington because we got the uh, ocean out there, but a lot of the, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of the places will get out to the ocean. And the band just works well. Um, in my opinion, I've had uh, 220 repeaters now for 14 years, I guess. And uh, it just, it works well, uh, travels well. Um, audio quality. Some people also use it for packet. I uh, have used it for packet. We have a have had a digital repeater in western Washington. I think the guys I'm partnering with up north are thinking about a new uh, 220 
digital repeater with some pretty high baud rates and everything. So no scientific evidence other than our use, us users, and the, I think it is a forgotten band. I know California uses it a lot, and uh, it just plain old simply works. Yeah, so uh, up until the uh, Bridgecom guys came out with the BCM220 and the BCH220, uh, there were a few, very few, uh, single-band or tri-band rigs that had 220 as an additional band. Uh, did you did you find when you put your repeaters up in your area, uh, it, it having a hard time getting your friends to, to purchase a rig to be able to chat on that particular frequency? Were they happy with what they had, or could they could they recognize the benefits of the uh, 220 megahertz band? I think that uh, as a result, it's like anything you you build it, they'll come. <laughs> uh, put the put the repeaters up. The it seems to attract more usage. Uh, that's part of the motivation. What we did with the linking all the repeaters, uh, the UHF repeater, by the way, in the central area acts. I got this idea from the guys at Repeater Builder. Acts as a link or a hub for all the other two twenty repeaters to link into. And then re- rebroadcast all over. Like we got two two four seven eight, two two four five eight, two two four zero eight, and we're going to be soon putting on two two four eight eight, and then one other that we haven't set up a frequency for yet. So, kind of see a pattern there. All the same PL. Yeah. So you can travel up and down and just have them all programmed in, and you can. Uh, that has helped generate some interest in the band. Um, could you do that same thing with UHF? Well, yeah, but what are you going to link? How are you going to link? Right. That's where, for us, using UHF as a hub, 220 as your main uh, band, and you can use a pretty small UHF Yagi for your linking purposes mm-hmm. and uh, make it work pretty darn good. And I guess that the, uh, the same could be said in, in reverse if you were – Let's say putting up a UHF group of repeaters, you could use maybe 220 to link them uh, with with a nice small antenna as well, or small smallish maybe. Right, I have not looked into that myself, um, but you probably could. It's a uh, seems like a lot of people like using 900 for that, but I know for traveling from the south repeater near my uh, Capital Peak to the furthest north repeater but there for a while when we first got started we were linking on 220 in band mm. and it's 120 miles from tower to tower wow and on five watts you had we have a lot of uh as you might have heard a lot of rain around here yeah in the winter time uh there was no phase distortion no issues like that whatsoever between the two sites on five watts linking from the south end to the north end <laughs> so it it has really worked out well for us. One in, one in 10 at 140 feet on the tower, one in 10 at 60 feet on the tower, just a little three-element uh, Comtelco uh, beam. Right. And uh, now with the advent of uh, Bridgecom's equipment, which I personally feel is really high quality, uh, has seen some good uh reviews by some of the guys on Repeater Builder, not just based on opinion, but also based on uh, uh, WB6FLY, who just recently passed, unfortunately. He had done a review, and like Ron said, Eric basically took it apart and 
tested everything and said it passes. It passes with flying colors, and that it's pretty good. They got their good sensitivity. Uh, it just and the, the band just works. I mean, it originally was kind of set up. If I remember my history lesson right, the novices could use. Uh, it was one of those bands that was first available to the novices way back in the day before I was ever licensed. So that's where it's kind of got it started. I think it's an interest, but uh, the two bottom portion of the band has been taken over by a commercial. Uh, so we lost two megahertz, but 222 to 225 right. uh, is still available for us. And uh, I, the, the one thing that was kind of discouraging too in the past was that there was no uh, commercially made available equipment available around. And you had to convert your master twos and my cores and so forth. Now, with the advent of Ron's equipment at Bridgecom, and uh, and there's still some stuff like Midlands that you can convert, make into repeaters too. Right. So it's it's and you certainly can buy uh, duplexers from all the big manufacturers, and uh, in fact, all of the antennas I'm using are no. ACSB amplitude compounded sideband systems that went defunct. They're Sinclair antennas worked perfectly for us and uh, getting those on the cheap. So there's, there is some opportunities for some equipment out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it seems to me that, uh, it's, it's almost like, like you said, when you build it, they will come. Um, we, we've got a local repeater here. It's a Bridgecom 220 machine. Um, and it's the, uh, it's where the guys hang out chasing DX in the evenings. It's uh, generally quiet through the day, but but there's always uh, a good, clear, crisp signal there when you do make the contact. Um, I really enjoy the 220 megahertz band. It's, but you know, it's it's awful quiet around here. Now, does it? It doesn't sound like it's very quiet up where you guys are. Uh, going back in the history of setting these repeaters up in your area, before I let you go, give me a little give me a little idea of why you chose to uh, to use to use uh, 1.25 meters. When I lived up north. I lived on top of a 600-foot hill, which in the same town you had aircraft carrier literally parked right there. <laughs> so that was a pretty good spot to be living. And I was on two-meter simplex, and I was hearing people in Vancouver, B.C., and down in Seattle. And it was just like, this is ridiculous. I can't even be on simplex without listening to people heterodyning. And so one of the guys suggested we put up a UHF machine at my place. And then that then morphed into let's do a two twenty also, <laughs> and ever since then I've you know I'd already known about two twenty's existence and used it quite a bit, but to actually become a repeater owner, um, and it it's just I I like the band I really you know I've invested a lot in it and uh, a lot of time a lot of money a lot of uh, participation we have a. Uh, loose knit group of guys we don't have a club here we uh i'm the trustee of the w7 wrg whiskey radio golf repeater group and uh if i need help there's put out a phone call or say something on the air and you've got multiple guys willing to help and it's just kind of, to me it's kind of the spirit of ham radio yeah and most everybody's got 220 some of them don't but since we use one uhf repeater as a hub they can also access the 220 system and then of course then they i gotta get me one of those radios <laughs> yeah you do that's so. cool that's cool stuff yeah you know you'll find uh 
well, I guess it's just a cross section of society, but you'll find some really good ones, a few, a few not so great ones sprinkled in here and there. But I tell you, ham radio has been great to me, the community, uh, locally and across the nation since starting this program has just, just been so, um, rewarding to be a part of. And it, it's great to hear the success you guys are having in Washington State. Uh, if if you had any advice before I let you go, if you had any advice for someone uh, starting with their first repeater, uh, what would that be? If you just if you, you knew a guy, whether it was two twenty four forty two meters, whatever, what would be some advice you'd share with them? Quality equipment, uh, quality feed line. Uh, I'm used to hear from other guys about, oh, you don't need to use hard line, half-inch hard line, that's kind of a waste. And it's like, well, I'm here to tell you, uh, it really, even at 220, half-inch hard line is what I use. I got a 150-foot run on one of my repeaters, mm. and it, it does really help a lot to use quality equipment um, to, uh, it's it's a little more, you know, it only hurts once, as the saying goes. You buy <laughs> pay for it up front and do it right. Your interconnect between your repeater, your duplexer, et cetera, do it right. Don't go with the cheap stuff. No LMR 400. Uh, go with uh, good quality stuff, and you you won't have any descents. You'll have, uh, you know, everybody's got, if you put up a repeater, everybody's got an opinion. Oh, so yeah. do, it, do it right, and uh, they have a lot less to complain about, and it's, it's, it's there to have fun with anyway. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, when this, Spring, we had a uh, earthquake drill here in Washington State, and I had made the whole system available. So, uh, I can't. I'm losing the track of the, the name. Uh, but anyway, was, Cascadia, was it the Cascadia Rising exercise yes, that yes, FEMA yes. did? Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar. Go ahead. Yeah. So I, so some of the counties out on the Pacific Coast were checking in via 220. Uh, they didn't use as much as they hoped they would, but since it's a network system. Uh, they were able to get in and, and it could literally talk from out in the San Juan Islands all the way down to uh, state capital, you know, quite a distance if they wanted to. And it's, wow. it's, it's, it's a, it's just a, I'm a real fan of 220. Yeah. So I've been licensed for 24 years and 22, 23 years of the, uh, that time I've always had 220 gear. So, and it, it's it's just a good band. It really does work. And now that the uh, commercial stuff is starting to come available for a quality repeater, it's well worth it. Fantastic. Brian, give us your call one more time. My call is Kilo 5, India, November. K5, KN? No, K5, Kilo 5, India, November. Oh, K5, I am. Okay. Yeah, and I'm the uh, trustee for the W7 Whiskey Radio Golf uh, W7WRG Radio Group here in Western Washington. Fantastic. Well, man, we appreciate you being on. Do you guys have a website for your radio group? No, we need to get one up. Um, we, we don't have one yet. Well, that's everybody's moving to Facebook anyway. Just go over there, and you'll have. that's where everybody goes it seems man i I really appreciate you coming i know this is like super ultra last minute request but thank you so much for sharing with us your experiences with 220 and uh, it's good to hear you know we we always hear the questions well how does it compare and uh, as a user for 20 some odd years 
you, you should have some experience in telling us that it works a lot like two meters and sounds good like 440. That that's great to hear, and uh, and I hope folks you know continue to uh, continue to to experiment with the band and use it. And uh, it's just great to know that we have folks like the uh, the guys at Bridgecom bringing gear out for us. That's exciting. That's uh, that's intro, you know that's making it happen. So appreciate you very much, and we'll uh, hopefully catch up with you soon on the air. Okay, well, I totally enjoy it. I, by the way, I do use my repeaters with in conjunction with the Arcom controller, which marries up with the Bridgecom repeater very well, and uh, that way I've got linking capabilities. And cool. Uh, one advantage of using 220 also is that with the Arcom controller, then you could have a dual band radio as a remote base, and no interference from the two, 220 using two meters and 440. It gives you a lot of flexibility. Nice, good, good, good stuff to know there. Man, I appreciate it again, Brian. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. I'm a Kenwood guy. I, I am. I've said it a hundred times. I say it every show. Kenwood radios are my favorite. Knocking all the way back to my Kenwood TS850, my Kenwood TS50. I love them, man. I've got, I've got a shack full of Kenwood stuff here. But I, I'm going to tell you, one of the things that really excites me is the brand new Kenwood Tri-Band D-Star enabled Handy talking. Now we saw it at the Hamvention and it looked really, really cool, but we have no idea what it's going to cost and really not sure. I'm guessing November before Christmas, it'll be available. Uh, there, there's rumors everywhere, but I can tell you this. If you need anything that's branded Kenwood, you need to check mtcradio.com. Let Richard and Christine, Tammy and Danielle know that you heard about them here on hamradio360.com, the podcast. Get on down to mtcradio.com for all the best deals on all the Kenwood gear today. Continuing up north, yeah, towards Alaska. (laughs) Yeah, hey, Andrew, what's up, man? Hey, we're going to catch up with Kent, Kilo Lima 5 Tango from Alaska. And Kent's also a big time Bridgecom user. He's also really heavily involved in 220. And he's going to give us some thoughts about how him and his club utilize that band for their area. Now, I know that we don't live in, not all of us live in Alaska. We might have, what, 15 listeners listening in Alaska. And thank you very much for listening, by the way. Now, seriously, uh, Alaska's huge, literally. And uh, 220 right now is huge up there. And Kent's going to tell us why. Kent, welcome in to Ham Radio 360, the podcast. This may be my very first ever Alaskan contact. Well, congratulations. <laughs> I sent out a lot of QSL cards for first-time Alaska contacts. Well, here we go. This, this, maybe this will count for a little something. Hey, we, uh, we appreciate you, of course, coming on here with us. I want to talk to you about 220 megahertz up in the, uh, the great northwest. Tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing in your local area. Right. Well, we've had a... Uh in the local area, we've, we've had a, a 220 voice repeater up for quite a number of years. Um, there's actually two voice repeaters up in Alaska that I'm aware of on 220, one here in Anchorage and one up in Fairbanks. But it's a very underutilized band, as we all know. And, uh, we, you know, it's a use it or lose it thing. And we just thought there was a great opportunity to uh, expand its use here. And... Uh, We've been very interested in uh, moving to or towards a higher rate packet, uh, 9600 baud, and uh, we've been looking for a 220 rig that might be able to accommodate that, and it turned out that this Bridgecom rig mm-hmm. uh, is sort of pre-wired for it, um, direct access to discriminator audio and that sort of thing, 
uh, be a connector. So we thought we'd give it a try. And uh, so uh, that's what we're doing is, uh, you know, we're on two meters and 440 with, with pack at 1200 and 9600 baud. But now we're on, uh, now we're on 220 and uh, we've got a pretty good supply of radios uh, up here uh, that are coming online and using it for MCOM and, and that sort of thing. Uh, so it's been quite interesting. So now you guys have a lot of these Bridgecom rigs up in the area. What, 20, 25 rigs by now? Well, right now, I think we've got um, 18 of these Bridgecom BCM-220s. I think that's how many we've purchased so far between, you know, sort of doing a group purchase with folks. I'm quite certain that as we roll this out and get it online that um, – I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that approach 50 or more by the, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. So tell me a little bit about, uh, we, know it's, we know it's underused, we know it's use it or lose it, but was it just something that you guys wanted to try to do 220 data, or was it, uh, did it make good sense for your, your area of operations up there? Uh, I mean, you said you had it on 2 meters and 440. What, what was the draw to 220? Well, you know, that's a good question. I, just an underutilized band. Um, we, um, you know, on two meters, we've got a pretty <clears throat> entrenched, not entrenched, but I mean, a, a pretty uh, substantial network on uh, 1200 baud uh, and uh, not so much so on 440. Uh, but we, we just wanted to expand the use of, of, of if you will, high speed packet. Uh, and get onto a band that um, uh, was a little more free and clear, and get onto a band that had some. We, what we wanted was we'd been needing some of the characteristics of two meters and the characteristics of 440 um, to help us with our particular um, situation here, given terrain and buildings and all of this sort of stuff. So 220 kind of gives us the best of both worlds and we're sort of finding that to be true it, it's working quite well and quite frankly i've been operating 9600 baud uh 220 with this rig out of my car <laughs> <laughs> moving large files just just testing yeah and uh boy we're just getting really great throughput and 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 moving data over considerable distances while driving down the road that's pretty awesome. You know, we don't hear about that a lot. When we, when, when I think packet, I think of guys uh, sitting in his shack and he's got an old 486 machine running with a TNC and a two meter rig. But uh, I mean, you guys are, you guys are moving some stuff and doing it mobile. That that's just crazy. I didn't realize people were. I've seen people on the internet testing and this and that, but I didn't realize people were were putting it in pla- in practice and and, and it, doing that in Alaska. That's just that gets cool points on top of it all. Well, it's kind of cool. It's kind of crazy, I guess. Uh, but it's really, you know, just sort of a, to get to help us get a perspective on on how well these we these can operate, and and we are roll, put, roll, putting these things into our our, our uh, MCOM mobile assets uh, that might be rolling down the road, and and we might have a need to to run mobile packet from time to time. But uh, you know, it's just a it's a cool resource, and uh, uh, we're finding it's working pretty darn good. These are these are pretty pretty robust radios yeah they're, they're built they remind me of army tanks you know i mean literally they're they're built a lot tougher than what we normally see come out of uh just a regular amateur piece of equipment they they are and they 
course, they have kind of the, a commercial look and feel, and mm-hmm. we've uh, figured out a way to use the memory channels to our advantage uh, to be able to put displays up on those memory channels that make sense to us as amateurs. That yeah. you know, we uh, will plug in the frequency uh, so it displays in the memory channel because that normally doesn't display in mm-hmm. by default in memory mode. Uh, cool. But anyway, we've got a scheme set up that. Uh, <laughs> makes it makes it work pretty good very good let me ask you something uh j- just out of curiosity here we're having a kind of a hard i don't say a hard time but we're, we're not finding a lot of excitement here in the upstate of south carolina when we we talk to other amateurs uh, about getting a packet network started in this area uh, even on two meters which everybody normally has at least one or four spare two meter rigs laying around how in the world did you convince the guys up there and gals, I'm assuming to to invest in a a 220 rig, or is it just just kind of the natural progression of things in in your local area with your friends and operators? Oh, I think it's probably a combination of things. Uh, you know, there are a lot of folks that kind of see this as just a fun thing to do, and and uh, of course we we're looking at it. I'm looking at it, uh, you know, uh, quite a bit of this perspective is from an MCOM perspective mm-hmm. uh, to be able to get onto a band that's there's really not much going on and we don't have a lot of conflicts. And uh, not that we have a lot of conflicts anyway. I mean, my gosh, there's there's plenty of spectrum out there for us. But this is just a good band with a good opportunity. And we've had some we've had some challenges with uh, with MCOM getting some communications uh, effective communications between certain points. Again, going back to this nature of 220, the the, the good characteristics of uh, two meters rather and 440, kind of coming together on 220. So, right. um, you know, like-minded folks and uh, uh, just working together. And the club here has purchased several of these, and and individuals I've purchased several of them. And yeah, it's just you know. Hey, it's ham radio. You know, it's fun stuff. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Can can you kind of break down, give me a comparison between uh, sending packets over two meters at, say, 1,200 versus, uh, versus uh, 220 at 9,600? Is there, is there a discernible difference there? Oh, it's tremendous. You know, when you get 9,600 baud working perfectly, you, or I mean working the way it should, you you wonder what took you so long. Um <laughs> And there, there are some challenges there, of course. Uh, you know, it's not as easy technically, but you know, we're, we we run some uh, some test files, uh, and I think we're running like 27k files in like I think a minute and a half, wow. something like that. We run we run some 96k files for testing. I think we're running them at. I think we can get them pushed over in about four four and a half minutes. Now, I mean, it doesn't sound like a big file, but it's a pretty big file, and uh, but you, if you try to do the same thing at twelve hundred baud, um, well, you know what? I, <laughs> I haven't even timed that. It just yeah. I know it's a, it's a quite a <laughs> it's quite a while. Well, you know, you, you you mentioned using it for MCOM, and and there's nothing like being able to send a site report or you know some sort of uh, some sort of message back and forth in in times of duress and getting it there quickly. And being able to do that much faster, especially with a good band that you're practicing and using now, that makes all the sense in the world to me. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, you know, it gives us the opportunity to, if we even, you know, 
low res photos, um, uh, you know, which, which aren't too big. We can get those pushed across. We can, we can move, you know, like word files and Excel files, spreadsheets, yeah. that sort of thing. Uh, um, it, it's, it, you know, at 1200 baud, you don't really want to do that because you know, it's going to take you a while, yeah, yeah. but at 96, it's, it's really, it's really a doable thing. What? You know, you've got to be reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your antennas. Uh, you said you were running 220 Mobile. Do you have a particular brand or particular model that work that's working real well for you right there? You know, I, quite frankly, I, I, in my mobile, I just right now have a sort of a temporary mag mount uh, quarter wave. Uh, I uh, just cut a whip down and stuck it into a mag mount base, and that's what I'm using there in the mobile, and right. it's remark- working remarkably well. For some of the fixed locations, we're using uh, we we bought some of those Ed Fong. Yeah. Uh, hey, that's uh, what I've got. for two twenty. Yeah, that's what I've got yeah. up on my shack. Ed does a great job on those too, man. Yeah, pretty pleased with those. You know, they work pretty good. Yeah. And then yeah. we've got some other commercial, you know, Larson stuff or yeah. Diamond. Uh, you know, I'm looking here at a. A diamond, uh, what is it, uh, an NR1? No, I don't know if that's the one or not. But anyway, you know, some commercial stuff. So you, uh, you're, not use, yeah. you're using Omnis. You're not using any directionals? Yeah, I think that would be, yeah, that would be fair to say right now. We're, we're yeah. just using Omnis. Uh, I think cool. there are some guys, I think, uh, I think there are some guys, uh, out in the Matsu Valley, or one guy that's uh, he's he's pushing a beam back in our direction, but I don't know how many elements. Right. But I know we've got a good path with him. Yeah, and, and even if it was twelve elements, it's still not that big anyway. So that's kind of cool too when you think about it. You get a lot of direction directional uh, power there uh, with a very small type Yagi. So that's kind of cool, I think, as well. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a little, little more manageable than two meters. That's yeah, for sure. A lot more manageable for sure. Well, Kent, yeah. before before I let you go, do you have anything else you'd like to share about your experiences with uh, with two twenty here with the audience? Uh, you know, it's just uh, it's been a good it's been a good experience so far. Uh, we're finding it to be effective. Um, we're finding it, uh, you know, besides two twenty, you know, making this particular rig work with. Uh, um, you know, we're using the um, Tantronics 9612s, and we're also experimenting or using, actually, we've got a couple of them, these uh, SCS Tracker DSP TNCs, but both of which we successfully interfaced with the, uh, with the with this BridgeCom rig. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. It, uh, you know, 220 is uh, an interesting band. It's underutilized, and uh, um, I hope... Uh, I hope that we could put up another repeater or two in the area because oh, it cool. just works really well. Very good. Very good, man. Wait, we appreciate you coming on, and thank you. Uh, before we go, we've got some friends that listen. We know AL7U is up in that direction, Andrew. Uh, he says that you guys have huge mosquitoes, and it gets hot in Alaska during the summertime. Is that the truth? Well, there's some element of truth to that. <laughs> we, 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 we only, only, the, big, the B-52s come out in the spring. Ah, uh, meaning the big mosquitoes, and later on, you know, the, then they have their babies and the little guys. They're ferocious in their own right. They they get you by their numbers. Oh. Uh, but it, hey, listen, I came out. I got out of work today this afternoon before the interview. Got in the car. And it was seventy degrees. So there you go. Wow, I didn't know it could get that warm. Day. <laughs> it was ninety six today in South Carolina. So I, I I would swap with you. <laughs> 
because we have mosquitoes too. But <laughs> anyway. Yeah, we're not carrying the viruses either up here. With yeah, them. yeah, know, y'all, y'all get y'all get rid of those, whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. hadn't. I, I, I don't. Anyway, that's a whole. We could do a whole show on something like that, but but we'll skip it for tonight. Kent, thank you again. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on, and uh, wish you guys all the best up there with your two twenty exploits. Do you guys have a website, uh, anything, a Facebook group, or anything that you and and your friends there that that are operating this two twenty network? Uh, y'all have any any way for folks to kind of check in on what you're doing up there, or are you guys just kind of handle it locally? Yeah, it's pretty local. I mean, we've got our our club website, you know, kl7aa.net. Uh, but uh, I don't know if we have anything up there uh, posted about our 220 exploits at this point. I know that we will. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, fantastic. Well, thanks again, Kent. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Kale. <laughs> And that'll wrap episode number 58. Thanks again to Ron, Tim, Brian, and Kent. Really appreciate you guys being here with us. We covered the entire United States nearly this time through, so appreciate you guys checking us out and, and spending some time with us here on the Hand Radio 360 podcast. Again, my name's Kale. Thank you so much. It's It's been a lot of fun. We'd love for you to share our show, like our show, review our show. Uh, let us know what you'd like to hear about, how we can improve Hey, don't forget Workbench, the podcast, will be out next Tuesday. They're going to be talking about meters, and they're interested in wanting to know what you want to know about meters. So you go to the website, hamradio360.com, click on the Workbench tab, find the information there. Thank you again for listening. Really, I, I wouldn't do this just for my health. Actually, I'm not doing it for my health. This is, this is a lot of work. You ask any podcaster, any of the video guys, YouTubers, whatever you're supposed to call them, this is a lot of work, and we're doing it because we enjoy spending time with you. Love getting comments and whatnot from, from all of you, knowing that we're part of your amateur radio experience. So keep the comments coming, the shares, the likes, the tweets, and whatnot. We're, we're wanting to hear from you. Now, real quick, NFL football is really, really close, and I'm a huge football fan. I know this has nothing to do with amateur radio, but it's like what I do on the weekends, and I love football. So if you're a football fan and you would like to participate in a a, uh, a league here, a fantasy league of Ham Radio 360 podcast listeners, I need to know ASAP. So as soon as you hear this, if you're down with football and you want to play fantasy football with us, please let me know. I, I don't know how we're going to work it out, but i got to first know how many people are interested. So email me, message me, tweet me, whatever. If you're down with a fantasy football league, let me know. I'm going to jump out of here. I'm about out of music. God bless you guys. Thank you again so much for listening. We'll see you next time. 73, y'all. Thank you for listening to Ham Radio 360, brought to you by mtcradio.com. For more information about the program, visit hamradio360.com. Till next time, 73s, y'all.